take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black. Got the boosters black to match. Riding on a horse. Hello again, everybody, and welcome in to another live edition of Wild Sports Talk on this Wednesday evening, September 23rd, 2020, wrapping up our week of coverage here for WST. And also, folks, we are happy to announce that we are actually back and broadcasting live via the MI6 Sports Network Facebook page. I'll have a bit more about that, folks, in just a moment. But of course, folks, as usual, Join the night by the usual correspondents settled up and ready to uh, ready to ride till we can't know more. That is John Mathis and Isaiah LeYoung. John, as always, man, good to see you. How we doing tonight, man? Hey, I'm doing well, man. I just had a good, great dinner tonight. I ate Chipotle. I ate my favorite bowl, the steak bowl. It was delicious. Now I'm ready to get the show on the road. Let's do our thing, guys. Let's talk sports. Let's do what we do best. And I just want to take a moment and say, Best of luck to my buddy Colin on his job interview tomorrow, man. Knock it out of the park. I hope you get it. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Mathis. It won't be tomorrow, but hopefully sooner than later, we'll uh, I'll be able to hopefully bring you some good news about that. And, of course, folks, also joining us tonight is the one and only Isaiah Leung from the Garage Studio up in the Bay Area. Isaiah with a bowl of, I'm going to assume, cereal, I'm guessing, at uh, close to 8 o'clock on a Wednesday. What's up, man? Good to see you. Not exactly, Callan. Uh, what I got here is a bowl of chili that I actually made today. I don't know if you guys can see it, but right over here. Um, nice. So, yeah, what So what happened was earlier today, I don't know if uh, any of you guys are Seinfeld uh, fans, but I was watching an episode of Seinfeld. I was watching that episode called The Soup Nazi, and uh, it was this guy with this uh, restaurant, and he's really, like, meticulous about how you order. And if you don't order the right way, he, he goes and says, no soup for you. And, you know, I was watching that episode, and I, like, saw the soups that they had laid out in the show. And I was like, oh, that looks so good, man. I just need some soup tonight. So I made myself a bowl of chili. But, yeah, it is. Uh, I can't wait. You know, it's great to be able to talk some sports with you guys. Uh, hopefully, you know, my Internet cooperates with us tonight and does it, you know, fits out like it's done the previous two nights. But other than that, you know, it's great. Great to talk some sports with you guys again. Oh, and one more thing before uh, we start the show is I got to make a toast. You know, I got to make a toast to all three of us, you know, all three of our baseball teams, my Oakland A's, John's. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers and Callens, San Diego Padres. We all clinched something this week. My A's clinched the AL West. John's uh, Dodgers clinched the NL West. And Callens, San Diego Padres finally clinched a playoff spot for the first time in 14 years. So a toast to all of our baseball teams clinching this weekend. I approve. I know John approves as well. I approve, but I don't have a cup in front of me at the moment. So <laughs> I can't join you guys for a <laughs> Pretend to raise a glass. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. Agreed. Yeah, we can have that kind of toast. An imaginary one. There, you there go. we go. From, from afar, from afar. Uh, with that, folks, did want to kind of clarify a couple things real quick. As we said, we are back finally 
on the MI6 Sports Network Facebook page, folks. We've had we've had some issues here, and again, I pro I, I sent this, folks, actually earlier today, uh, earlier Wednesday, I should say, uh, on one of my other uh, streams today, that there's been some problems lately uh, with Facebook and some of the streaming websites we use, whether it's BeLive.tv or even StreamYard. There's been some problems in regards to scheduling shows, uh, technical difficulties in regards to maybe internet or maybe just connection problems. Uh, today, I had a hassle trying to get my morning show started by virtue of everything on my computer logging me out for some reason. Uh, some reason. So I had to reset passwords for uh, Facebook, for uh, Google, for everything. So it was a very torturous day for sure. Want to get out to one quick viewer. That is one of my great friends, Mr. David B. Stotts. First time tuning into this one, Cowan, let's go. And of course, David's one of my very loyal viewers in the morning. But Dave, good to see you, buddy. And we will take your input, folks, much like Mr. Stotch, your input. Uh, Hello, Dave. Nice yeah. to meet you. It's a pleasure. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Yeah, so we'll take all the input, folks, your uh, questions, your comments, your concerns, much like Mr. Stotts in the live chat box. And we'll do our best to put those live on screen throughout the course of tonight's program. With that, guys, uh, Isaiah, we'll start with you on this one for the uh, evening. Uh, as baseball does, in fact, get underway, and David uh, obliges or uh, oblides. Nice to meet you guys as well. And again, David, thanks for tuning in, buddy. We hope to uh, hear you throughout the course of the show today. But uh, Isaiah, we'll start with you, buddy, for tonight's program in regards to a September swoon for the Philadelphia Phillies, man, who are still right now kind of jockeying for position in a very loaded National League playoff picture that has seen a lot of teams – uh, kind of a battle for those final spots. The Phillies have been kind of, in a way, up and down, uh, peaks and valleys so far across the board. And Isaiah, it's not the right time for ball clubs like, for example, Philadelphia, maybe even San Diego, to kind of go into a little bit of a tailspin after that. But also sometimes, Isaiah, though, uh, this is a very valid point, though, and I think John can attest this better than uh, than I can, is that usually when a team clinches a division title or a playoff berth, there's generally some hangover, and I can definitely agree with that about the Padres. They lost two games to the Angels uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. But Isaiah, with the Phillies, though, they're still scrapping and fighting for a playoff spot. But, man, not the best time to start going downhill in a, into a tailspin where you start losing games, losing ground, where, again, I, where again, Isaiah, we have seen this NL race be very competitive. San Francisco, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Cincinnati. Uh, the Mets even, they were somewhat close by, and of course, Philadelphia, the Marlins even. So, uh, Isaiah, a lot of, a lot going on here, man, but uh, mainly, Isaiah, the main reason, I think, and I think I'm going to read your mind here, but the main issue plaguing the Phillies is the bullpen. And I know that Brandon Workman has not obviously lived up to that last name of Workman. He has not worked so far for the Phillies. But other than that, though, Isaiah, what mainly is probably the other culprit minus the Phillies bullpen that is probably – keeping Philly fans up at night uh, as the season does, in fact, wind down. Well, Callan, I got to disagree with you to start, man. Uh, I think Brandon Workman has worked. He's worked into getting me a heart attack after every Phillies game. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, every time this guy pitches, I mean, like, I got to either go to my fridge and get six cans of beer just to survive the ninth inning. But in all seriousness, though, um, I think the main issue besides the bullpen that is plaguing the Phillies has got to be their lineup. You know, the lineup, uh, there has a lot of injuries. You know, we know how talented they are with Bryce Harper, uh, Gene Segura, Didi Gregorius, 
uh, JT Rio Muto, Reese Hoskins. But right now, if you look at the Phillies lineup, Reese Hoskins, uh, he has a torn UCL in his elbow. He is going to probably have to have Tommy John surgery uh, in the offseason. We don't know if he's going to come back uh, for the postseason. There was a report today that he's probably not going to come back for the regular season. He'll try to, you know, get a cortisone shot and try to make it back for the the postseason. But normally when hitters uh, get a torn UCL in their elbow, it's very tough for them to hit and also throw the ball. So I don't think Reese Hoskins being a first baseman, I don't think that he will be able to play first base again because how can you throw with a torn ligament in your elbow? You just can't. So I think Reese Hoskins, if he does in fact come back, is going to have to be a DH. But if he doesn't come back, it's going to be a huge blow to the Phillies lineup because he's one of our top power hitters. You know, Bryce Harper before tonight, before he hit two home runs tonight, the guy was in an 0 for 18 slump. So this guy has... Uh, been slumping at the wrong time. JT Riamuto, he's got a hip injury. Uh, he's been in and out of the lineup. Um, Gene Segura, he was hit by a pitch a couple games ago. Um, and, you know, he's been out of the lineup as well. So the Phillies just haven't had a consistent lineup throughout the month of September. And that's going to really bite them in the ass because you need these games. These games down the stretch are very, very important because you, right now you've got like three or four teams all bunched together trying to get that final couple of spots in the NL wildcard. So if Philadelphia doesn't get their star players back, if their starting pitchers do not pitch good, then the Philadelphia Phillies are going to end up being on the outside looking in when it comes to the postseason. David Stotts, fellas, writes in about the Phillies. Isaiah, will let you speak on this. Not a chance that Hoskins comes back or be able to play comfortably. Harper, Hazley, Kingery, someone needs to step up. Isaiah, do you agree with David's point? Yeah, I agree with him because, like I said earlier, you know, even if Hoskins does does come back, I don't think he's going to be able to be uh, comfortable at the plate because he's got a torn ligament in his elbow. He's not going to be uh, able to swing as hard as uh, he used to without that torn ligament. And then you have guys like Adam Hazley who's been inconsistent. Him and Roman Quinn have been shuffling in and out of center field. And then you have um, Scott Kingery, who his season was actually delayed due to the COVID-19 uh, virus that he suffered. So he's been, you know, slow to get going. And the Phillies, they need him to get going because when Scott Kingery gets going, he's one of our best players. So the Phillies, they need to find some consistency in the final uh, three, four games of this season or else they're not going to make the playoffs. John, I think you probably you probably could speak better to this than I can because of the Dodgers' recent uh, success across winning the division title or getting into the postseason for the past eight years, John. And I think you even wrote a story maybe for SoCal Sports Chronicle that the Dodgers a couple years ago kind of went into like a September swoon. And I think, like I said, though, John, as well, that when teams clinch a division title or clinch a playoff berth, they typically kind of – fall a little bit kind of out of place. They probably rest some players. They probably work out kinks in the bullpen or in the rotation. But, John, especially, though, if you're a team like Philadelphia and there's no margin for error right now, as we have already seen, in regards to, uh, you know, so many teams being so close in the standings and only a couple spots are left for the playoff party, that if you don't start playing good ball, man, you're in deep trouble to not make the postseason, even with the expanded playoff field this year. So, John, uh, give us your thoughts about the Phillies and their right now September swoon as we near the very end of this regular season in the next couple of days. 
the Phillies are in position to make the playoffs. They are currently 28, 29, and third in the in in the NL East, which is very impressive. A lot of that has to do with the fact that a short season, an abbreviated season, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that there has been, you know, a, a, a playoff expansion. Um, so that allows them to uh, qualify for the postseason. Um, if they do get in the postseason, I don't expect them to last very long, not with the bullpen that they have. Um, look, they have a historically terrible bullpen. Let's face it, you know, they can't hide from that reality. Uh, neither can the fans. That's been a problem all year long. It has plagued them. And then Isaiah also mentioned the injuries that have have piled up uh, throughout the season. Um, the Phillies coming in was favorites to possibly challenge the Nationals to win the division. Um, that has turned out to be uh, not the case for the Phillies. I think they have, you know, kind of gone into a tailspin at the wrong time, at an inopportune time, and I don't know if they can figure it out. I think they might make the playoffs only because the Nationals themselves are on the brink of elimination, and they haven't had the season that they had a year ago. They, they're not, you know, that, that team that's going to have another magical run like they did a year ago. So the Phillies – have a chance. They control their own destiny. They need Zach Eflon to be Zach Eflon um, if they want to have a chance as well. Their starting pitching is going to have to keep them afloat. I think if they get great starting pitching, they will get in. But as far as uh, advancing past the first round of playoffs, that's not that's not going to be the case for them. I, I would think they would get the wild card game anyway. I don't see them winning that game. Um, against any opponent because of that bullpen. That bullpen has been getting roughed up all year long, and it's been a nightmare for that that bullpen. Um, just not a not a great year for the Phillies at all. Um, a little bit surprising, but also um, kind of expected with the bullpen that they have. Folks, as of 8 o'clock Pacific Daylight Time on this Wednesday, so 11 o'clock Eastern, the current Major League Baseball playoff matchups would go as follows per the MLB.com website and also the MLB app of that matter. But right now, by virtue of the results of tonight's games, the current standings in the National League go as follows, 1 through 8. Dodgers, Braves, Cubs, division winners, Padres, Cardinals, Marlins, Reds, Giants, the Phillies would not right now at this time make the Major League Baseball postseason. And I think, though, as well, that uh, definitely David's onto a great point, though, in my mind, fellas, that uh, Harper, Hazley, Kingery, someone needs to step up in uh, in the event of Reese Hoskins being out for an extended period of time. And also a quick shout out, a shout out to, to one of my other good friends, Ben Wagner, who says, my twins are 25 and three at home now in first place. Let's go. And also wearing those very kick-ass powder blue uniforms against the Tigers tonight. Isaiah wanted to add on a bit more about the Phillies. Isaiah, what do you got for us, buddy? Yeah, I just want to add about their bullpen. You know, they're listen, this this season just sends a clear message to the Phillies ownership that 
uh, the the thing that their GM, Matt Klantek, who relies a lot on analytics. And the thing about analytics that um, they really put a lot of onus in is that you don't really need um, to put a lot of money into that bullpen uh, for that bullpen to succeed because analytics, they always think that, oh, you can just, you know, use numbers and get just a bunch of relievers from the scrap bin. And you can throw them in there and, you know, if you pitch – uh, pitch those relievers by matchups really good, then you can get a great result. And, it, and this year has shown it's not the case. You have to spend money into the bullpen. And if you don't, just like the Phillies do, you're not going to have anyone in the bullpen that the Phillies and their manager, Joe Girardi, can use, especially in late-game situations when you need to close this game out. Like that's why Joe Girardi has been really riding heavily on the shoulders of uh, Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. And we all know when you do that, it's a recipe for disaster because if you ride your starting pitchers really hard in the regular season, just trying to make the playoffs, they're going to fall off in the postseason if you get uh, if you get that far. So I think that, you know, if the Phillies don't make the playoffs or even if they do make the playoffs and let's say like they lose in the first round, which I expect them to because that bullpen is just god-awful, I think that Matt Klantek needs to be fired because he hasn't spent any money in that bullpen. And, you know, it's shown that that that's their weakness right now. Me and Matt Klantek have a lot in common. We play analytics or projections, hence why I'm 0-2 in our MI6 Sports Network Fantasy Football League. With that, John, we'll go over to you, buddy. Of course, the hometown L.A. Dodgers win their eighth straight National League West Division title last night by virtue beating the Open A's and the Padres faltering to the uh, LA Angels of Anaheim, California, 92806 Planet Earth Milky Way Galaxy, also on Tuesday. But, John, you know, man, you've written it. You've been vocal about it, man. It does not mean a damn thing for Dodger fans that they don't win the whole kit and caboodle. So, John, it's kind of like one of those, like, you know, what I would probably call it like a, you know, bahungba or like whatever kind of moment, honestly, but not saying that as a Padre fan, just more so of like, we've been here before but it hasn't related in anything over the past eight years. But, John, more than anything else, though, overall reaction to the Dodgers and their eighth straight division title. Well, my friend, we've seen this movie so many times. We've seen it over and over and over again. And it's gotten to the point that, you know, it's hard to watch this movie over and over and over again because at some point you become sick and tired of the sick and tired. Um, what I mean by that is that you get sick and tired of seeing this team clinch the division every year and not be able to finish the job in October. Um, they could put together regular season wins, make historic runs during the regular season, but when it matters the most, they can't pull it out. And that's something that we've seen uh, for the last Seven years now, eight years now, they clinched their eighth consecutive division title. That's great. But you got to get the whole piece of the pie, not half of the pie. And that's something that the Dodgers have not been able to get. They've been only getting a slice of the pie. They need to get the entire, the entire, the, the whole damn pie. And once they, once they're able to do that, then we can say that, you know, it mattered. But it's hard to say, it's hard to sit here and say that this division title matters when we've seen it year after year. 
Um, and, you know, we have expected different results and we haven't gotten them. Um, it's a great accomplishment. It, 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 it's a team that dominates the regular season. I will go out and say that the Dodgers are probably the most dominant regular season team in all of baseball. Um, they've had some remarkable runs. They are known for their magical uh, finishes, their walk-off home runs, their power-hitting lineup. They have the players. They have remarkable talent. And that can't be denied. But what they have done time and time again, they have performed the choke job. And they're going to have to, you know, find a way to manufacture runs and string together some good at-bats in the postseason. Their bats, that's usually the time when their bats go cold in the postseason for whatever reason. I don't know if it's postseason anxiety. I don't know if it's because the pressure ramps up. But whatever it is, that has to change if they want to, you know, finally crawl out of this, you know, long playoff drought that they've been in for so many, many years. Um, you know, 2017 comes back to hunt them. 2018 still comes back to hunt them. 2019 comes back to hunt them. That was a surprise right there. No one really saw that coming. The Washington Nationals got hot at the right time, and they were the better team, you know, opportunistic. Uh, they, you know, they uh, didn't have any pressure on them, and they really went out there and they played a hard-fought battle against the Dodgers and, and you know, took it away from them. But is this the Dodgers' year? We've said that year after year. I don't know what to believe anymore. I know they have Mookie Betts now, a generational talent. So they did, you know, get an upgrade there. Um, they have, you know, still Cody Bellinger, but Cody Bellinger has not nearly had the season that he had a year ago. He has seen a drop-off in his production. Um, you know, you haven't gotten much out of Max Muncy, which is kind of scary as well. Will Smith kind of picked it up there. Um, he's gotten hot. Um, can he uh, sustain this? That's a good question moving forward. The thing that concerns me the most with the Dodgers is the starting pitching. pitching. Will Walker Bueller um, have these blister problems going into the postseason? That's something to keep an eye on. We all know Clayton Kershaw, Kershaw's postseason record isn't nearly as flawless as it is during the regular season. So that's something to also keep an eye on as well. The bullpen at times could be a little erratic, could be shaky at times. That is something to also pay attention to as well. And then we know how much Dave Roberts is an analytical nerd that, you know, they rely on analytics heavily. And that has cost the Dodgers in the past. That is concerning as well. So we'll see how it all plays out um, in October. Is this the year? It remains to be seen. Isaiah, we'll go first to a comment here from David Stotts. He says, uh, can the Dodgers just give the Indians Jock Peterson, please, LMAO? Well, remember, though, as well, folks, that Jock was supposed to go to the Angels 
in a offseason trade with Ross Stripling, but Artie Moreno, Angels owner, said no thanks, training with the uh, interleague rivals up in Los Angeles. But Isaiah, you know, John's right, though, in regards that we have seen this Dodgers team rise to excellence over the past eight years with eight straight division titles. I think it's now the third longest division title uh, streak now in Major League Baseball behind the uh, uh, the Braves, of course, with their 16 straight titles in the NL East until I think 2000, the early 2000s, roughly in that time frame. But Isaiah, if you are a Dodger fan, though, like John is, I think, though, that you probably are sweating bullets because you, like John said, you have seen this horror movie. You probably want to give it a one-star rating or a half-star rating, but you've seen this seven years in a row, losing in the playoffs somewhere along the lines. DS, CS, back-to-back years in the World Series, and, of course, uh, Howie Kendrick's grand slam in the uh, uh, Game 5, where as soon as that ball left the yard, the whole building emptied out when uh, the uh, when the uh, Nats went ahead. So, Isaiah, you know, like John said, though, it's a great accomplishment, but Isaiah – Fans can only take so much of that. You know, this is a great accomplishment for so long before they start losing their patience. So, Isaiah, I think, though, that John's right, though, about Bellinger. I think he's right about Max Muncy, where I think he's probably not going to be back with the ball club next season by virtue of, again, a lot of the contracts the Dodgers have coming off the books next season. And, you know, if there, is there going to be, you know, guys plugged in there that are going to be able to produce right away? But also, as well, Kershaw's track record. The bullpen is always kind of keeping you on on the edge of your seat in the postseason, uh, as we have seen in the past several years. So, Isaiah, it's good and all, man, to see the Dodgers win. But at the same time, though, Isaiah, I think, though, that deep down Dodger fans, even John, I would probably even uh, uh, even uh, uh, even say, would, are thinking to themselves, oh, no, here we go again in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, this, uh, first of all, it is a, a really good accomplishment for the Los Angeles Dodgers to clinch the NL West for the eighth consecutive year. But come on, man. We all know that Dodger fans don't care about clinching the NL West. You know, it's a great it's a great thing, but, you know, they don't care about that. They care about uh, what you do in the postseason. It's just like the Los Angeles Lakers when they had Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol and Derek Fisher and those guys, and they were clinching Pacific Division. No Laker fan cared about clinching the Pacific Division. We care about winning the NBA championship, and that's what Dodger fans care about. I think that, you know, this team, they're kind of like the Oakland A's. You know, they're like the Oakland A's in the fact that, you know, they get really red hot in the regular season. But then in the postseason, the bats just, you know, go ice cold. And we've seen it time and time again with the A's. We've seen it time and time again with the Dodgers. Uh, they're starting pitching. Um, Wilts as well in the postseason. I don't know if that is, you know, October jitters or what. It, it just happens. It's just so, so weird. But I got to agree with you guys. You know, the Dodgers, they need to start performing in the playoffs because you have the most talented team Right now in the uh, in baseball, you have the most deep team in baseball. There is no excuse. You have great start. You have a great starting rotation led by guys like Clayton Kershaw. We know their, his track record. Uh, Dustin May, Walker Bueller, Urias, who uh, the Dodgers threw at the A's tonight, and then you have a deep lineup one through nine. All of those guys are dangerous hitters. You start with Mookie Betts, and then you move down to. Justin Turner, the heart and soul of this team. And then Cody Bellinger. This dude was amazing last year. Uh, and then you go to uh, Chris Taylor's, the Max Muncy's of the world. 
And then in the bullpen, and, you know, before I go on about the bullpen, I just want to say, you know, it just goes to show you that, like, these analytic nerds, like the Matt Plantacks of the world, the Farhan Zaidis of the world, the uh, Andrew Friedmans of the world, the reason why, like, none of these analytic nerds that are running baseball front offices have won any championships is because they don't put value into what you need to win the most in October. And that is a bullpen. Just look at the San Francisco Giants back in 2010, 2012, and 2014. They might not have the best lineup. They probably didn't have the best starting pitching. But you know what kept them afloat? The bullpen. They had the most dominant bullpen in October. You have to have a dominant bullpen in October to be able to win in the postseason. So I just think these guys, if they want to win a championship, they just need to start prioritizing and stop listening to analytics and start prioritizing that bullpen because that bullpen is what's going to get you that trophy in October. But, you know, the Dodgers, they don't have an excuse. All uh, Every area of their team, they are probably the best in all of baseball in. So they got to win the title this year or you're probably going to see a lot of major changes uh, down in Southern California. Isaiah, I don't speak about 2010 around these parts here. A quick uh, comment here from David. Been the same with the Indians. Playoff exits or playoffs every year since 2015. So close in 16, a worse and worse exit every year since. Window closing fast. Pitching is dominant. Bats can't hit water if they fell out of a boat. <laughs> John, we'll go back over to you for uh, to add on to your point here. What do you got? Some teams just have bad luck in the postseason. But you know what? I honestly believe that some teams are just built for the regular season. They're not built for the postseason. And that's not me saying that the Dodgers aren't. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the Dodgers. But we've seen this over and over and over again. This is a repeated pattern for the Dodgers. Um, you know, and it's hard to, you know, have a sense of optimism. Yes, I get it. Winning a division title, it feels gratifying. You know, it's, you know, a breathtaking feat for a team like the Dodgers because they do it in historic fashion. But the ultimate goal is to win a World Series title. Division titles don't matter if you can't, you know, show anything for it. And the Dodgers haven't been able to really, you know, show much of anything. Um, you know, they've been to two World Series in the past, what, three years now. Um, and, you know, they haven't accounted for one. So, I mean, it's frustrating uh, to watch at times. It could be very painful uh, to watch. And, you know, I know the Dodgers have had postseason success, been able to get there, even though they haven't finished. But you can still consider this Dodger fan base a tortured one because they've been waiting so long for a championship. I mean, they're thirsty. Um, they're craving a championship, and the Dodgers have not delivered. 
John, I will disagree for the sheer fact of David and I have been waiting a lot longer than you for a World Series. Cleveland has not won a World Title since the 40s. I've never won one. So I get what you're saying, though, in regards to that, you know, there it kind of gets old after a while. You know, 30-plus years of waiting to finally get one again once more and again. 2017 happens. 2018 happens. But, again, that – you know, but I think John's on a great point, though, in regards to that the postseason pressure – gets to guys and it kind of gets to some guys very easily, very quickly and things like of that caliber for sure. But it, I it's, definitely... like, it, it's like taking an exam. Like for me, I'm, I perform well in the classroom, but when it's time to take that exam, I freeze up. I, I become very tense. I become very anxious and I suffer from anxiety when it's time to take an exam because the pressure builds up on you knowing that if you don't do well on this exam, uh, this could really affect your grade in a big way. So that's the same thing with postseason. Play. Absolutely. You know, it, 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 it matters more um, than anything else. So that's the same thing. It's the same concept. No, very true point. Isaiah wanted to add on what he got for us, bud. John. My man, I love you, but you can't be talking about torture, man. I know your Dodgers haven't won in a long time, but come on, man. You beat my Oakland A's back in 1990. We haven't won since 1989, and we've gotten to the postseason so many times just to be, uh, just to, you know, get knocked out by that bad man, Justin Verlander. I mean, there's years that we should have won, but we couldn't win because Verlander would just shut us down and leave me heartbroken uh, in the uh, American League DS. So, I mean, we haven't even been to the ALCS in like, what, 15 years. So that's torture, my man. You you, you down below me have torture? How about here, 1998, losing to the damn New York Yankees in the World Series? Give me a break. No, I'm kidding. Did he totally sweat kidding. that serious, mind you? Yeah, and that too. Yeah, we At least we got one game, 1-1 one, one in 1984. David agrees, though. 72 years for the Indians, 1948, the last time the Indians were World Series champions. I think, and I think guys, like the next year from that world title, That's they just, no, but true story, I believe, though. But the next year, 1949, the Indians totally trolled Major League Baseball by having world champions on all of their uniforms for the entire season. Yeah. Talk about trolling before trolling was ever a thing. It's crazy. Uh, the last time they won a World Series, my dad was four years old. Man, that, that, sh that just shows you right there uh, in regards to that. But, yeah, they literally had world champions on all their uniforms. Just like it says Slam Diego, they had world champions home and away, I think, on their uniforms in 1949 just to troll Trolling people for trolling became a but became a thing in 2020. But with that, though, uh, Isaiah, we'll go to you, though, to start off the uh, talk here again. This time it's Isaiah and John playing each other, not me and John for the first time in, like, forever, it feels like, because it's interleague play. But the A's and Dodgers, uh, a rematch of one of the World Series from, a many, uh, from a many moons ago. But Isaiah, again, the morning else, though, two teams, though, with the uh, uh, with clinch division championships, both in the bag. In the AL and NL West, uh, Isaiah, overall thoughts on the uh, overall series thus far through at least one game and maybe through uh, perhaps two right now at this time? My biggest thought is that Frankie Montas, our supposed ace, should, should be left off the postseason roster. I mean, this dude, I mean, oh, my God, how far has this guy fallen? This guy was 
the one of the best pitchers in baseball for I get probably the first three weeks of the season. I mean, he had one of the, like the best starts of the season, and he's just dropped off ever since he suffered a back injury when he got uh, when he was supposed to pitch against the San Francisco Giants in that uh, amazing series the A's swept the Giants in. He got scratched in that series, and then ever since he's come back. This guy has just been absolutely garbage. I mean, the guy has been giving up home runs left and right. I think his ERA uh, before that San Francisco Giants series was 1.73, and now it's all the way up to like 6.61. So this guy, Montas, last night he was absolutely shelled again by that Dodger lineup. I know, you know, the Dodgers are, have a great lineup. They're very deep, but, you know, this guy's been getting shelled every time he pitches. He cannot be... Uh, on the postseason roster for the Oakland A's. You cannot pitch him in any postseason game if you're the Oakland A's because he's going to definitely cost you one of those games if he pitches. And also the second thing I got to say is that this A's uh, lineup, we've seen it time and time again where they are red hot and then they clinch either a playoff spot or the final wild card spot or, you know, the division title like, like they did on uh, Monday and then they just go on this like slump for the final uh, week or two of the season. They always do this each and every year. And then it leads to the postseason where you always like are like saying, oh, yeah, the A's are going to bounce back from, you know, being ice cold the final week or two. And the bats just don't show up. So it's like deja vu all over again. The bats didn't show up uh, in game one. They got shelled. They lost seven and two. They had their troubles with runners in scoring position again. Uh, the bats, they didn't show up for that final game in San Francisco where they lost 14-2. Uh, they they did kind of show up in that first inning tonight, but they were aided by an error by the Dodgers. But it is a worrying sign if you're an Oakland A's fan. This, this not, not the bullpen, but the lineup is going ice cold at the wrong time once again. Real quick, fellas, David can confirm uh, my uh, story about the Indians wearing the world champions word mark on their uniforms in 1949. He says 100% true story that the Indians actually did that. Uh, but, John, more so about this series, bud, and uh, again, more so, like I had said, though, maybe earlier in the show, but again, the uh, Dodgers looking to throw Joe Kelly to start this game versus Oakland and have uh, Julio Urias come in after Kelly's inning of work. But again, perhaps I think, John, Tweak the rotation, maybe uh, make those tweaks for the for the bullpen as the series goes on. John, overall thoughts on the uh, Dodgers and A series underway right now up at Chavez Ravine? Yeah, you know what? These are two exciting ball clubs. They both have tremendous talent. Um, you know, they both have struggles going on right now. Um, I think the Oakland A's, they kind of tired themselves out. They got off to a fast start. Now they're kind of falling off a cliff there. Hopefully they find themselves in time for the playoffs when it matters. Um, this is a great series. Um, you know, if you're a baseball fan, this is one series that is a must watch. Um, you know, just just an amazing – both of these teams are amazing. Um, I like the Oakland A's. I like their I like their colors, really. Their green and yellow is, is mm -hmm. a pretty combination, by the way. Uh, but you got guys that can swing the bat. I feel like this team kind of disappeared after uh, Matt Chapman's injury. Agreed. Uh, they they kind of yep. 
haven't been able to recover since. Um, hopefully they find themselves again. But sometimes when you lose uh, your star player, you know, and you don't have that guy anymore to rally around, it's tough. It's an adjustment for your whole ball club. And a guy like Matt Chapman seemed like he was contagious inside that clubhouse. So that's the missing piece to the puzzle. Um, it's amazing when one guy is absent, how fast a team could kind of fall off. And hopefully the Oakland A's, they get it together in time. Uh, you know, maybe they have a magical postseason run. Um, as for the Dodgers, we just discussed them. Joe Kelly is back. Hopefully he behaves himself um, and make the right choices at the mound on, while he's on the mound. Um, you know, Joe Kelly might be a reliable arm, um, you know, in the postseason, as so many others in that bullpen. Um, they're going to be critical for the Dodgers, and they're going to have to uh, really throw some high-powered stuff if the Dodgers are going to have a chance um, in October. Definitely for sure. Again, folks, A's and Dodgers in a probably very entertaining series up at Chavez Ravine for the next, uh, at least to uh, through tomorrow, uh, in regards to Oakland and Los Angeles. Uh, real quick, guys, a game break for you from the NBA. The Heat take down the Celtics 112-109. Tyler Hero dropping 37 as Miami is now one victory away from their first NBA Finals appearance since, I believe, 2014. Is it? Yep. It's been so long ago. Feels like forever. 2014. Yeah, feels with, like uh, they keep going to the NBA Finals. But I do uh, know John, this. I do know this. Tyler Hero is a true hero. Dropping 37 points. And the kid's only 20 years old. That is remarkable. Insane what this guy is doing. He's building a postseason legend, guys. It's incredible. Uh, I, I feel like one of our upcoming segments is going to be very, uh, not a fun, but kind of heated as we, in fact, get moving on here. But with that, though, John, uh, with you, uh, with this in mind, guys, with the NFL, as we are now, guys, move over to the NFL week three on the horizon on Thursday, as Jacksonville in Miami will kick things off real quick. Christy Wilson writes in possible Heat Lakers finals, while David writes in. Sticking by his prediction, Callan, Miami versus Los Angeles. I probably can ride with that one. But, John, a very interesting, perhaps disturbing, funny, comical, oddball, interesting, painful story, though, if you're a NFL fan. Uh, per Adam Schefter of ESPN.com today, folks, uh, Chargers starting quarterback Tyrod Taylor did not play Sunday's game uh, due to what was called a chest injury at kickoff so uh, Oregon rookie quarterback Justin Herbert uh, Herbert took over at the helm of the uh, Chargers offense but they of course lose that game in overtime to the Chiefs uh 27-24 but John in a very interesting report gathered by ESPN.com's Adam Schefter the Chargers team doctor accidentally punctures the lung of Taylor injecting him with a uh, painkiller for cracked ribs suffered in the uh, team's game 1 win over Cincinnati uh, John, this is a very, for one, perplexing situation. Also, for one, glad that Tyrod is healthy and all right after being, uh, being rushed to the hospital. But, John, this just seems like something that the Chargers would do if they were in San Diego or, or in Los Angeles is something 
of this kind of utter stupidity and utter lunacy. Now, again, man, honestly, I get what I, I get that sometimes so that guys maybe get, you know, a, a painkiller shot before a game or maybe a day before. But, John, literally, this happens right before the opening kickoff. And Tyrod Taylor is on the bench with trainers kind of, con, you know, kind of convulsing, talking to him, uh, to them. And we see Justin Herbert go out. And I'm thinking to myself, watching parts of this game between, you know, them and, of course, the Padres clinching their uh, playoff berth on Sunday. I'm thinking, what's going on here with Herbert starting that they finally cave in to let the rookie play? But then, though, John, you wait a couple days and you hear this report, man. This is absolutely insane to hear this kind of news come out from the Chargers and from Inglewood. John, uh, I know, man, that obviously that the Chargers are, you know, big time over their head right now playing in Los Angeles in that brand new Palusha State owned by Stan Kroenke and the Rams. But, John, this is not the way to do things right now if you are the L.A. Chargers. Uh, Mr. Mathis, your overall thoughts on the, for one, the injury that Taylor suffered, but also, man, this news coming out on Wednesday is just like, are you serious? Yes, this is a very bizarre story. It's not one that you hear every day. Um, Tyrod Taylor missed Sunday's game because of human error. Um, because a doctor reportedly pierced his lung by accident during a pregame procedure. Really? I mean, it gave Herbert a chance to get a feel for, you know, the NFL and that and 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 everything but wow I, I mean i i was blown away by this story um you know that's the reason you missed the game because a, a doctor's mistake wow um you know what i'm glad he's okay i'm glad he's healthy same um, you know i think he would be a great mentor for a guy like Herbert who's still learning. Herbert is gonna wait in the in the wings till he get his chance to uh, one day shine and and hopefully lead that offense. But right now, this is Tyrod Taylor's offense. And again, I, I said it a long time ago that um, the coach name Anthony Lynn. Yes. Anthony Lynn. Um, is sold on Taylor. He likes what Taylor can bring to not only the offense but the locker room because Taylor, you know, is a, a guy who can really mentor a number of players on that team. He can really, you know, um, give some advice to the younger players in that locker room. So I think that's why Anthony Lynn is sold on him as his quarterback and why he named him the starting quarterback Tyrod Taylor's been around the league for a long time. Um, you know, he he was Buffalo's quarterback for a while. Um, you know, the guy may not be a flashy name, of course not, but he can engineer an offense. Um, he's shown that in the past, and I think, you know, it's going to be good to definitely have him back. But to miss Sunday's game because of this, wow, just unbelievable. Isaiah, you know, a lot of times in sports, we hear about maybe some loony injuries. You know, I said one of my most infamous ones I can recall was a former Padre pitcher named Adam Eaton. A long time ago, he literally cut his stomach open because he was opening a DVD with a box cutter knife and he sliced himself open across the stomach. And, you know, we've heard about, you know, uh, baseball players who have uh, 
um, fell through glass tables at home because they had nightmares. Uh, you know, guys having back spasms because of the uh, mattress they're sleeping on. You know, we've heard a lot of loony injuries in pro sports, but Isaiah, this might take the cake for probably the most insane injury because of form of timing of it, literally right before a kickoff. And also that, you know, there may be some legal issues here pressed against the doctor in charge because David read my mind, though. He said that doctor is getting canned and sued. Ha, ha, ha. I don't know, though, uh, Isaiah. I think Ryan Schreiner wrote to the group, uh, to our group chat earlier today that apparently per the CBA, a player would not be able to sue or hold a doctor with the organization accountable for something like this. But Isaiah, this is a very trippy and insane story, man. And again, like I said, though, uh, like I said, though, Isaiah, I'm happy that Tyrod is healthy and he's all right. But man, this is absolutely insane that this would happen right literally moments before a game starts and it's also done by the team medical doctor uh you know uh, in charge of that uh, injection but isaiah overall thoughts on this very very bizarre but also insane story you said it well callen um we've heard a we've heard a lot of you know loony stories in sports uh you named a few uh, i can also name a few uh jeremy affelt you know slicing his hand open trying to separate uh, hamburger, uh, frozen hamburger patties. Also last year, Lou Trevino, the A's pitcher, slipping in the, slipping in the shower and fracturing his rib before a postseason game. But yeah, you're right. You know, this is insane. Um, it's laughable because, you know, it's just something the Chargers would do. And, you know, I hope for the best for uh, Tyrod Taylor. It was an unfortunate uh, incident. Um, I hope that he can get back to a hundred percent because let's, let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, he had, he already had broken ribs. He was trying to get an injection to help cure his broken ribs. And now he has a punctured lungs. Those, those things hurt like heck. If you ever had, uh, some stuff like that, and it's really hard to breathe. So I really hope, uh, nothing but the best for Tyrod Taylor. Um, I don't think that there was any malicious intent behind uh, what the doctor did. But yeah, this was an unfortunate incident. Um, I think that, you know, the doctor should be really afraid right now because I agree with uh, you and John, this doctor could be in a lot of legal trouble for that accident that he created. Uh, with that, guys, Christy added one of her most bizarre injury stories. How about, how about Darren McFadden injuring his elbow, trying to prevent his cell phone from hitting the floor? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty logical for this time of year. Uh, I actually pulled up, guys, a um, article from NBCSports.com. I'll read off a couple of them real quick that they ranked. Uh, the third-ranked injury, guys, Giants outfielder Hunter Pence in spring training of 2008 was in a hot tub with a friend when he in, uh, went inside the wow. Eastern bathroom. He did, not see, he did not see the glass door that was shut and walked right through the uh, right through that glass door, he was sidelined for a week because of uh, lacerations. Uh, <laughs> Moist, um, fourth on the list, we have Moises Alou, former Astros outfielder, who slipped, fell, and tore his ACL while jogging on a treadmill at his house. That's unfortunate. Oh, I think I remember that one actually. <laughs> probably the most in, probably the most infamous baseball one. 
was former Angels DH and slugger Kendry Spirales breaking his leg while jumping on home plate oh, yeah. to walk off home run against the Mariners. Um, also notably, um, former Tigers pitcher Joel Zamaya, San Diego native as well, suffered a sore wrist, uh, wrist from playing too many video games. Carl Thompson, pretty much. Wow. Um, and also notably, Sammy Sosa sneezed so hard he sprained a ligament in his back from sneezing <laughs> too hard. I've done that before plenty of times. I've, I've actually cracked ribs from coughing too much and coughing so much. Uh, also, of course, guys, Plaxico Burris uh, having the guns in his pockets at, the, at that club in New York. Shot himself in the leg with uh, those guns. I remember that. I actually wrote an article on that one. And also, let's not forget, fellas, former Cardinals kicker Bill Gramatica ripping his ACL after celebrating a long-made field goal back in 2001. So if you have, if you folks have any other weird stories about injuries, please let us oh, know. We would definitely oh, read those. Oh, how about Blake Snell trying to do something in his restroom and it and that decorated that decorated uh I don't know what it was called, but it dropped on his foot and he broke his toe. Oh geez. I got yeah, I got one, starting pitcher. I got Blake one Snell. Isaiah. I got one for y'all, but this had that has nothing to do with anything off the field. It happened on the field. So what happened was back in 2015, the 49ers were under coach Jim Tom Sula, who was one of the most incompetent coaches in, in the NFL. And their offense was so inept that in a game against the Los Angeles Rams, their punter, Bradley Pinion, suffered a sprained foot because he punted. Ten times in the entire game. Imagine that. You sprain your foot because you punted so many times in a game. Unbelievable. <laughs> Fellas, one more for you from David. John, it gets better. One more here from David. How about John Smoltz? In 1990, ironed a, ironed a shirt while he was still wearing it. Dot, dot, dot. One of my favorite pictures of all time, by the way. Oh, my goodness. We honestly could probably have an entire segment about bizarre sports injuries. I could just keep reading if you guys want. I can see what else I can find here on uh, throughout the course of the <laughs> Because, honestly, this but, – but this unfortunate issue with Tyrod Taylor, fellas, deserves to be in one of these top 50 list of bizarre sports injuries. But with that, though, John, we'll go now to the NBA again, uh, guys. Lakers and Nuggets last night, Game 3, Western Conference Finals. Uh, Lakers lay an egg, a uh, flat performance last night, Sally, by the Lake Show. They lose 114-106 to the Denver Nuggets again. Uh, John, very flat performance. And I think, though, that – sadly, John, I think, that, I think right now Laker fans kind of, are kind of becoming accustomed to kind of throwing one game – kind of kind of in a way throwing a game aside. And, you know, we saw that with game one in the first round and second round, but now, man, it's game three. And honestly, man, probably one of the worser Laker performances was last night in my mind. Sloppy play, turnovers – rushing possessions and really just letting Denver get comfortable and get in their groove. And with uh, Jokic, with Murray, Millsap, the threes raining down from beyond the arc was very just, you know, pretty much a game that Phil Jackson would say, yeah, we'll be all right when, when the, when the game, when this is over with, but John, I went, I'm not going to say it's a alarming loss. Cause I think we've seen the Lakers bounce back after a loss very well so far, but this one though, man, I think there should be some extra emphasis on, a lot of things come game four on Thursday. John, overall thoughts on the uh, Lakers' very flat performance in game three against uh, Denver on Monday night? Well, they, you know, 
they're entitled to uh, blow one. They've been doing that throughout the course of these playoffs. They lost game one against the Houston Rockets. Then they lost game one against Portland. So they didn't lose game one this time. They lost game three. Uh, the Lakers don't expect them to play poorly like they did in game three. Um, you won't see the same Laker team. In fact, you'll see a Laker team that probably jump off to a fast start um, in tomorrow night's contest. They'll be a, a completely different team, one that's amped up, one that is ready to go. I think LeBron James will set the tone early um, as both a playmaker and a scorer. Um, Anthony Davis needs to continue to play his game. Um, this is his first real experience in the Western Conference Finals, and he has been excellent uh, from the start. He showed up in game one. He showed up in game two. I don't see it being any different for uh, game four tomorrow night. The Lakers got a wake-up call. This was a reality check, and the Lakers have responded quite well to these reality checks. They did it against Portland. They did it against Houston. They're going to do it tomorrow night. I think they'll be fine. Yes, Denver is known for coming back in series. We've seen it um, in these playoffs. They have, uh, you know, played well with their backs against the wall. They have responded in a time of adversity uh, when, you know, there is a lot of adversity in their face, they don't uh, they don't let up. They refuse to quit, and they play their game. And yesterday, the Lakers allowed them to get in their groove. They allowed them to find a rhythm early. And once the Nuggets got going, um, you know, they controlled the game the rest of the way. The Lakers are going to have to get off to a fast start tomorrow. And I think if they do that, they'll take the Nuggets out of their game and out of the and out of their comfort zone. Definitely agree, John. And you know that the Lakers have done a great job so far responding after they've kind of, in a way, been punched in the mouth. Uh, guys, one more bizarre injury story here from David. He says another one of his favorites. How about Marty Cordova falling asleep in a tanning bed and missing several games because he was burnt too much and doctors told him, to stay inside and out of the sun where he literally had to come in and DH back in his playing day. I have another list pulled up here of more bizarre sports injuries, guys. Uh, this was from complex.com. Michael Jordan suffered one in 1999, suffered a finger laceration. He cut his finger with a cigar cutter because he would always have a cigar every so often. Uh, Tom Glavin broke his ribs because he was throwing up airline food. That's two Braves pitchers right there. Oh, man. We have a reputation for that stuff. We have uh, Brent Main, who used to catch or pitch for the Royals, who <laughs> suffered back spasms from checking for traffic before crossing a street one time. What? Say that again. Uh, Complex.com says that he suffered back spasms from checking for traffic before he crossed the street. <laughs> How is that um, even possible? Oh, uh, who knows? Um, uh, Brandon Inge, former oh, for the here, here we go. Here's another one. 
Brandon Inge, former infielder in Major League Baseball for the Tigers, suffered a strained oblique, and I not and I do not kid you, fellas, <laughs> strained his oblique from fluffing his daughter's pillow before she went to bed one night. <laughs> And, and, and David Beebe did a punch about a uh, former Padre pitcher, Adam Eaton. He stabbed himself in the stomach trying to, trying to open a DVD with a knife. I, I mentioned that one, Stoddy, earlier in the segment. And, guys, one more before we move on here to get Isaiah's thoughts here about the uh, about the Laker game. Uh, a, I got one more for you guys. Kirk Broadfoot, a former player for the Rangers over in European soccer, uh, Frank sadly suffered a burnt face because a microwaved egg he was eating exploded when he brought it out of the microwave. <laughs> we can keep going if you guys want and not talk sports here. We're just talking about guys that had, that had very bizarre sports injuries. Uh, Christy does agree. How about Geno Smith getting his jaw broken when he was punched in the face by a teammate? Yeah, that sounds about right because, uh, you know, Geno was very, oh I'd say, over, uh, over confident oh. himself. Oh. Isaiah, oh. Oh. Uh, I, th I think John's out for the count. <laughs> and again, folks, this is why the show is called Wild Sports Doctors. I have my composure. Oh man. Um, Isaiah, before we get to more of these bizarre injuries, I'm going to look up here just to kind of keep you guys entertained on this Wednesday. Um, again, though, man, like I said, though, uh, in all seriousness, the, uh, all seriousness, again, a very flat force by the Lakers. Again, very poor shooting. You know, and I think Isaiah, that you pretty much have hit the nail on the head so far throughout the postseason. Uh, postseason is if the Lakers don't shoot the ball well, they're not going to perform very well. And, like, last night was probably one of those games where it was, like, maybe kind of, you know, a giveaway game or whatnot. But I will say, though, Isaiah, the Lakers got within three points of this game, man, but they just could not get over that hump, though. And they came back from, from being down 20, I want to say, down 10 at the half. They came back, though, but it was just not enough time to do that. Uh, Isaiah, give us your thoughts on the Lakers' uh, unfortunate loss to Denver in Game 3 on Tuesday evening as we, in fact, get ready to look up more bizarre sports injuries. Well, Callan, before we uh, before I do that, I just got to tell you, man, make sure you keep that phone of yours ready because I might need you to call 911 at any moment because I was just laughing so hard just now at Brandon Inge fluffing his daughter's pillow and getting, and getting back spasms that now I'm having chest pain. But... <laughs> Don't you punch her one night, please. Hey, if I don't think next Monday show, you guys know why. Because I laughed so hard that I injured that I injured my lung. There's plenty more where that I came from. But Isaiah, how about your thoughts on the Lakers' loss to Denver in Game Three? Oh, oh man, oh man. But yeah, you know you're you're right. You and John are right. Um, this game, uh, it was very disappointing. The Lakers didn't uh, bring the intensity that you need to win playoff games. They missed a ton of wide open shots. I mean, they went very cold when they couldn't afford to go cold. And that was when the they had cut the lead to 103 to 99 uh, in, I think, with about – three minutes left in the game, they just started missing wide open shots. They had a chance to win this game. But for me, the thing I'm really concerned about is, you know, the Lakers always seem to have this mindset that, you know, they are the best team 
in the bubble, that they can afford to, you know, play lackadaisical uh, in the first half and go down like 20 plus because they know that LeBron James and Anthony Davis and all their talent is going to bring them back. Well, I'm here to tell you, you better not do that in the NBA finals because if you end up playing Miami in the NBA finals, with the way Miami is looking right now, if you go down uh, by 20 points, by the end of the night, you're going to be down by 35. So you better bring your A game from start all the way to finish if you want to win that 17th championship. But um, I got to say, man, you got to give a lot of credit to Nuggets head coach Michael Malone for getting his team ready for this game. I mean, the Nuggets suffered as deflating of a loss as they can suffer in game two when they had that game in the bag and Anthony Davis with one with one shot, a three-pointer at the buzzer, absolute gut-wrenching defeat for the Denver Nuggets. I thought for certain that the Denver Nuggets were not going to even show up to the arena for this game because how disheartened that they were going to be. But these guys, they came out, they showed up, they played with a lot of energy. They were hitting shots. It was like game two never even happened for them. That's how it was for the Denver Nuggets. And uh, I got to also say, you know, my guy, Stephen Wang, he's been, you know, chirping a lot about this choke theory. Well, choke theory is officially dead, my friend. Uh, you cannot ever bring up choke theory ever again because this Denver Nuggets team, choke theory doesn't affect them. I mean, they can, you know, lose by 30 one night or, you know, they can – you know, be up 30, choke that lead and lose that game and, and then lose and then lose and then come back the following night and win that game by 20. I mean, that's how great and resilient this Denver Nuggets group is. So a lot of credit goes to Mike Malone. But and also one last thing before I finish is that Anthony Davis, man, he is tremendous on offense. But Anthony Davis, two rebounds. That cannot happen. I don't care. Like. Who's guarding you? You cannot have two rebounds in the entire game. Go go over there and get rebounds. You're like the tallest guy on the floor. Go get those boards, man. You you can't just sit back on the offensive end and, you know, go do your thing on offense. You have to be there on the defensive end as well. I think that was one of the biggest things that killed the Los Angeles Lakers with Anthony Davis just having two rebounds. Uh, Steven guys is back. He says the choke theory simply states that you are more likely to lose off a game. You should have won that, uh, than a blowout due to the psychology toll or psychological toll of blowing it. And guys back to our uh, segment here about bizarre sports injuries. Once again, David is back. How about one more ironing one former D backs pitcher, Brian Anderson tested an iron to see if it was hot by putting it on its face. He looked like Mar from Home Alone afterwards. That is stupid. That is the dumbest one yet. You don't really put an iron, a hot iron on your face to test it out, really? All you have to do is put it on something like a shirt or something to see if it's warm and just fill the shirt. I think if you can, you can go for it whenever you're ready. I mean, that ranks up there for putting your hand on a hot burner. This this segment this segment, Callan, has given me a idea we should do for no BS on Friday. Power five, top five, uh, ridiculous loony sports stories. 
Can I keep going on this list? I'm going to keep going. How about George Brett Go Bell, his longtime Royals great in 1983? George Brett broke his toe running to the television to watch Bill Buckner take an ad bat for the Red Sox. Chair was in the way, and there goes the toe. Uh, this one predates all of us, fellas. Uh, Clarence Blethlin, a member of the 1923 Boston Red Sox, suffered a leg laceration because he was bitten by his own false teeth sliding into second base. How in the world did that happen? <laughs> Further, David Besant, a former goalkeeper for Chelsea over in European soccer, suffered a severed toe tendon because he tried to juggle a bottle of salad dressing. <laughs> and also Irving Fryer, a former member of the Patriots back in the 80s, nearly severed his finger because his wife had slashed it with a kitchen knife. Oh, Yikes. wow. And also former Giants outfielder Kevin Mitchell suffered a broken tooth and had a root canal because he felt the felt the need to chip his tooth on a microwaved frozen donut. Yeah, they, they, this, that's really bizarre. That's this really, is ex that's this really is exact this is exactly why all these players or you or not just these players but every player in sports in general needs to be bubble wrapped before the big games. I mean, cuz who knows? And Maybe like wait, hold on. It's stuffed in no, the box. Who knows? Yeah, like it needs to say fragile. Yes, handle yeah, John. with her. Yeah. Like John, who knows? Like what if it's game 5 of the World Series and you're about to win and you need Cody Bellinger so bad but you see but then he can't make it to the game because he's out for the game cuz he like I don't know, like burned his, like, I don't know, maybe like a, a toast. He's looking inside the toaster to see if the toast is ready. And then the toast jumps out and burns his face. Or this is, or, or here's a bizarre one. What if someone gave the team a bunch of brownies and they had them board to the toilet? Back in oh, place. man. Oh, Yikes. God. Uh, David agreed, though, fellas, about Joel Zamaya being out of the ALCS because he played too much Guitar Hero. I played that game plenty oh, of times. My, my my wrist and fingers would kill me. Uh, also, guys, how about the late great, uh, the late Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr. Ripken Jr. suffered a broken nose because a teammate slipped and hit him right in the face. Friendly fire at its finest, right there. Um, who else we got here? That must have been after the Iron Man uh, here's one from hockey, fellas. Glenn Healy, former goaltender for the New York Rangers back in 2000, suffered hand suffered hand lacerations. I know I don't kid you about this one. Hand lacerations from changing the bag on his bagpipes. Okay. Uh, Derek Rose, uh, when the uh, with the Bulls in 2008. Lacerated his arm, slicing an apple. <laughs> or no. one of the most notable ones as well, fellas, from David, Trevor wow. Bauer, playing with his drum before the uh, playoffs. I was just going to mention that, too. Uh, how, about, how about golf? We have Bobby Cruikshank, 
1934 golfer was knocked unconscious because of a flipped golf club in the air in celebration. The club hit him square in the noggin. Out cold. <laughs> that was before the bat flip was a thing, I'm going to guess, in baseball. That's something, um, hey, hey, Colin, that's something you would see in a cartoon. Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner? Absolutely. Uh, fellas, how about um, Brian Greasy, former quarterback for the Denver Broncos? 2002, he was knocked unconscious with a head wound and a chipped tooth. The cause fell because Terrell Davis's driveway was too steep. In other words, watch your step when you are leaving someone's house. I don't even see how that's possible. Um, how about Matt Bonner, former, former member of the Spurs? 2015, he suffered tennis elbow because his iPhone 6 was too big for him. <laughs> How do you hurt your elbow from your phone being too big? Mine's an eight plus. Mine's is an eight too, uh, and I haven't hurt my. I haven't hurt anything. Uh, how about how about uh, Jabba Chamberlain, former pitcher for the Yankees? Dislocated his ankle from jumping on the trampoline with his son. Now that one I can probably understand though as being a legitimate injury though, but at the same time, like, come on, man, you're a major league pitcher. Uh, who else we got here? Uh, Dustin Penner, former member of the Ducks and Kings. Strained his back. I don't kid you. Strained his back eating pancakes. What the hell? You, how can you strain your back eating pancakes? Uh, one more hockey injury. Uh, former goalie for the New York Rangers. Uh, John Van, uh, Van Beersbreck. 1988. Sliced a nerve in tendons. After a glass coffee table, he was sitting on collapsed. That's another one I've talked about, too. I think it was a baseball player who had the same exact issue. Uh, also, uh, how about um, David saying Gus uh, Gus, uh, Gus's headbutt? Yeah, that's a pretty good one. And Christy, oh, yeah, how about uh, Charles Barkley <laughs> suffering blurred vision after rubbing lotion in his eyes at an Eric Clapton concert? I've never heard that story. That's a good one, though. Uh, with that, guys, let's get back on track for a bit. We'll dive more into some more, more of these bizarre injuries, though, in just a moment. Uh, but with that, um, uh, with that in mind, uh, John, we'll actually go to a bit about Game Four for the Eastern Conference uh, Finals, man. But more so, this question that's kind of been po uh, that this question that has been uh, posted in the uh, uh, in the uh, host uh, the uh, the six host uh, group chat, John. If you're starting an NBA franchise today. Which young player would you rather have, Tyler Hero of, of the Heat or Devin Booker with the Phoenix Suns to build a franchise around? Who would you take and why? Devin Booker. Devin Booker's more of an all-around superstar. Um, he's not one-dimensional. To me, Tyler Hero seems one-dimensional. He, he He's a great three-point shooter. Um, but we saw tonight, we saw him, you know, slash his way to the basket. He was getting it done inside. He was doing... You know, uh, he was scoring from everywhere on the court. But I would still have to go with Devin Booker because Devin Booker, to me, seems more clutch. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's becoming a floor general. Um, I think he is well-deserving of being on a team where he could contend for a championship. So I would have to go with Devin Booker. Devin Booker is – a 
is one of the top guards in this league. He's a top five guard. I think Tyler Hero is more of a role player. He's more of those. He he's more of a guy who can come off the bench and be very productive for you. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that Tyler Hero is a sixth man, and Devin Booker is a superstar guard in this league. Isaiah, no need to ask me who'd you pick. We'll let you have the floor. Yeah, I'm going to follow up uh, John's point. I'm going to go with Devin Booker simply because Devin Booker is more is the more complete player. Uh, Devin Booker, look, listen, I'm going to compare these two guys to Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson. They're not on the magnitude of Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson, but they're kind of on the even uh, playing style. Devin Booker is kind of like Stephen Curry because he can shoot the lights out from three. He can run an offense. He can get to the basket. Tyler Hero is more of like a Clay Thompson. He's a guy that is great at shooting the three, but that's all he basically does. He's a three and D player. So that's why I'm going to go with Devin Booker, simply because he has more uh, more offensive skill set than Tyler Hero. I know I voted for Hero in the group poll, but I would go with Booker, though, just for the sheer fact, though, of a starter versus, as John said, Hero would be more of a six man in my mind. Uh, with that one. And uh, with that, guys, I think everyone is uh, very uh, intrigued by the uh, bizarre sports injuries we're talking about. David writes in one more. His personal favorite, former Brown Orlando Brown Sr. getting hit in the eye with a penalty flag that landed inside of his face mask and going temporarily blind, being forced to retire for four years before returning to action. That might be one of the most bizarre ones, too. And yeah. I, I would say, though, as well. It's funny, but it, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny back then. Uh, yeah. Should we just keep going with these? I'm going to just keep reading off these injuries, fellas. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, former pitcher Drake. Say that again, John. Sorry about that. Very intrigued. Very intrigued. I would agree. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm really intrigued or if you guys are intrigued and no, stuff no, like that. This is very, uh, this is very good. Very, very good. Uh, we'll, go, uh, we'll go back to this list. Uh, Greg Harris, fellas, former Major League Baseball pitcher with the Rangers. He suffered elbow inflammation from flicking sunflower seeds. So I'm going to guess he wasn't a guy that would spit out the shell. He would take it and flick it like he was playing finger football. You know, like how you would take paper and make yeah. it a triangle and flip it that way. Do that. Um, Felix, uh, Felix Paye, former member of the Cubs, fellas. Um, this is going to be ruled uh, NSFW, folks. <clears throat> Felix Paye suffered a twisted testicle unclear but probably something painful we'll just move on from that injury and move on to the next one here um that oh my goodness that one does not sound good at all uh legendary red sock uh we have wade boggs suffered bruised uh, bruised ribs i do not kid you bruised ribs from putting on his cowboy boots wow how, how did <laughs> How do you suffer Bruce Red with our cowboy boots? <laughs> Isaiah missed that one, but Isaiah. I, I don't know how that one occurred. Oh, I, Isaiah, we have Wade Boggs, probably the greatest hitter of his time in the American League, bruising his ribs, putting on a a pair of cowboy boots. Unless Unbelievable. he over struggling to put the boots on, he could have been bending over struggling to put the boots on. Uh, big baby John, keep doing good work, guys, and also with the crying face emojis. I think he's probably having as much fun with these bizarre injuries as we are, for sure. Uh, moving on. I, 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 I thought I 
I struggle putting Jordans on. Wow. <laughs> Cowboy boots are apparently a different animal. Uh, matter of fact, uh, David, Orlando uh, Brown Sr. getting hit in the eye with the penalty flag is on this list here. Uh, this is by Complex.com, top 50 bizarre sports injuries of all time. Uh, with that, fellas, uh, next one here on the list, Ricky Henderson, the man that stole all those bases with the A's and played for, like, every ball club in Major League Baseball. Even Ricky had a, had a weird injury. Ricky suffered frostbite because Ricky fell asleep with an ice pack on his body. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> No, thank you. No, yes. thank you. That taught me a valuable lesson today. If I'm going to sleep, put the ice Take it back off. Take it off. Put it down, yeah. Um, how about Chris Hansen, former uh, punter for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2003? He suffered a deep gash on his leg he, because he felt the need for us to, be, to uh, swing an axe in the locker room. What in the what in the Cal Stanford game is going on here? <laughs> Good grief, man! Uh, speaking of the devil, at twenty-two on this list is a former Padre pitcher Adam Eaton. Again, folks, he stabbed himself in the stomach because he was trying to unwrap a DVD with a box cutter knife. Good job, buddy! Way to go! Yeah, <laughs> how do you do that one? You you cut <laughs> away from yourself. I don't know. You possibly cut. Near your stomach, you know how dangerous that is. David agrees. Don't test an iron with your face either, uh, as well. Uh, also, fellows, Major League pitcher Steve Sparks pitched for the D backs, but this one happened in '94 with Milwaukee. Steve dislocated his shoulder because he tried to rip a phone book in half. You are not a bodybuilder and you are not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Give me a break. Uh, and then we'll move on, guys, to Alex Stepney, who used to play soccer for Man United in 1975. This one might be the greatest one of the show so far. Um, Alex suffered a dislocated jaw, fellas, from screaming too much at his own teammates. Oh, this list is getting better and better by the oh, I am telling you, folks. Now, with that, uh, let's actually, guys, get to one more topic, then we'll go back into this list for, in fact, wrap up for the night. Uh, John, that was the news a couple days ago. We'll let you recover here real quick, bud. But that news, though, uh, to wrap up the actual show before we talk more about these uh, injuries, um, is uh, the Bulls uh, hiring now former Thunderhead coach Billy Donovan to a contract um, recently. And again, John, this might be the first good step in the right direction for this Bulls organization in a very, very long time, in my opinion, man. And I think, though, that Billy Donovan probably, I think, will work in this Chicago system just by virtue of some of the talent there. Uh, Zach Levine, uh, Laurie Markin, to just to name a couple of those guys, and also a very high draft pick. John, what do you make about Billy Donovan leaving OKC for Chicago? I felt as if after he got fired from OKC, my OKC, that he was the best coach on the market. So this is a good hire. It definitely replaces a guy like Jim Bowling, who uh, was awful. Um, you know, this is a major upgrade from Jim Boyling. So I like this hire. I think it's good uh, for the Bulls. They needed a new voice in that locker room. They're definitely going to get that now. With Billy Donovan, um, you know, and hiring him, uh, you know, the Bulls are showing that they, you know, are 
accepting change, that they are ready to move on from something old to something new. And I really, really think Billy Donovan will work out tremendously for them. He's a great coach. He's probably a, a very underrated coach. Um, you know, this is a, 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 a great move for this organization. You know, um, John Paxton is gone. You know, um, Tom Thibodeau, he didn't work out when he was there. Jim Boylan, we're talking about him again. He didn't work out. And now you have Billy Donovan, um, you know, and he was considered a top free agent in coaching. I don't, I don't see where the Bulls went wrong here. I, I think they did a great job. Um, he is certainly one of the most accomplished uh, coaches in the league, um, a respectable name. A lot of players have developed under him. He's done a great job in college, and he made the transition uh, to the pros. So I don't see why this is such a bad hire. I think it's a good hire. I heard somebody saying that it was a weird hire, that they felt that they should have went with Kenny Atkins with the youth on this team. But Billy Donovan has shown that he can develop these young guys as well. And I think he's the right pick. Um, you know, uh, you know, they got what they wanted. They saw that he was available and they have secured his services. And I, I thought it was a, a, a very, very good hire. Um, it's a step in the right direction for the Chicago Bulls. Isaiah, I know that you and I had talked a while back about Billy Donovan and that he was one of the I thought and still think, fellas, that he was probably the first good coach in my mind of my time watching pro basketball to go from college to the pros and not have like down years. And he went back right away where Donovan, I thought, may have perhaps gone back to Florida or gone back to college level basketball, but chose to go to Chicago. Isaiah, what do you make, though, about the hiring of Billy Donovan by the Chicago Bulls? Christy, uh, Christy did write in saying that Donovan is a good hire in her opinion for Chicago. Isaiah, what do you think about Billy Donovan heading to the uh, Windy City to help out the Bulls? Yeah, I love this hire. You know, I got to agree with everybody here on the panel. It's a fantastic hire for the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls have not been relevant for the past, what, eight years, maybe? They So they've been that way. You know, they've been in, yeah, they've been in, you know, a dark patch for the past uh, seven, eight years. There's finally light at the end of the tunnel for the Chicago Bulls. They changed uh, front office. They replaced uh, Paxson and Foreman, who were two of the guys that were the most unliked in NBA circles when it came to executives. And they replaced him with uh, Arturis Karnizovis, who uh, was one of the guys that built this current Denver Nuggets team that has had so much success thus far in the playoffs. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he goes to Chicago now. I think he's going to be able to revive that franchise. Um, Billy Donovan, you know, he's a great uh, he's a great coach uh, with young talent. You know, we saw what he did at Florida, winning all those national championships and then having success. And then he goes over to OKC. He had success with Kevin Durant, but I believe his best coaching job came when he was put in the situation this past season when the Thunder traded away all their superstars. They traded away Russell Westbrook. They traded away Paul George. They got all these young players and a lot of these uh, misfits like Chris Paul, and he turned them 
from a team that was primed for the lottery and a team that was primed for the number one pick to a team that uh, got the number four record, in the fourth best record in the loaded Western Conference and to game seven against the Houston Rockets, a team that everybody said coming into this season were one of those teams that were going to be competing for a championship. So I think Billy Donovan did a fantastic job. He's going to do a great job in Chicago. Uh, he has great young talent to work with, like you mentioned, Callen, with Zach Levine, Lori Markkinen, uh, Kobe White, and Chris Dunn. This Bulls team, they've got the talent. They just need a coach that can come in and mold that talent and help them take that next step. And I believe Billy Donovan is that guy. I won't be surprised next season if the Chicago Bulls uh, make the playoffs in the weak Eastern Conference uh, because the Eastern Conference, there has, there's just like not that many teams in playoff contention right now. So I think the Bulls could sneak into one of those final playoff spots. And, yeah, this is just a great hire, and I hope it works out for the best for Chicago. Same here. And, again, Billy Donovan's a great coach again, and I'm kind of glad he went back to the pros and not back to the college ranks. Uh, shall we dive back, guys, into more bizarre injuries? Isaiah wants to take yeah, one yeah, more before we do that. Do, there's breaking news right now. There is a, a pursuit of, on, a, on the 5 freeway, I believe, in Glendale. These yes. are just as entertaining as what we're talking about right now. Uh, I, I, I live, I live for police station too. John, 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 if I'm not mistaken, I think that someone's, uh, there, there was a, uh, there's the off the wall here, folks about this. I believe there's actually a account that I follow that said that watching pursuits on the freeway is California's official state sport. (laughs) It's so true though, in regards to that. Because you know what? A lot of people tune into these pursuits. I do myself because I like to see how they come to an end. You know, and it's, just, and it's so funny because these guys honestly think they could get away from the police when a helicopter is like right above you, yeah. you know, capturing your every move. You can't possibly get away from the police unless you're a motorcycle. There was one guy that was on a motorcycle that booked it and he ended up going to LAX. Snaked his way through traffic. He was gone. Oh the man, gone goodbye. I see it. They I lost. Say what? You know the helicopters. They can't fly over the airport. They're restricted to fly over the airport. So, you know, he was gone once he once he entered the airport. But he was smart because that's that's one way. If you want to get away from the police, go to the airport. And he, I'm not trying he, to give any. I'm not trying to give any advice here. No. I'm he probably got onto a uh, uh, the next flight out to somewhere else. Isaiah wanted to make a point. Wanted to add on to a point here. What do you got for us, bud? Two points. Number one. Congratulations, fellas. We just had our 1994 uh, NBA Finals moment when that game was going on, and then all of a sudden, breaking news: O.J. Simpson and the white car chase is being. Uh, shown on the TV with the half screen. So we just had our moment, John, with the breaking news. Bravo, my man. Uh, we just had our OJ moment. But um, I wanted to make an, uh, a final point on Billy Donovan before we moved on. And that was, I think Richard Jefferson said this on the jump today. And that was the one thing about Billy Donovan that everybody takes for granted about him as a head coach is the uh, is his adaptability. I mean, this guy uh, ran a, a a 
pace and space style offense at Florida where they just moved the basketball left and right and whoever uh, got the best shot would shoot that shot. He goes to the NBA. He's paired up with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, and he doesn't try to force his offense and his style of play on KD and Russell Westbrook and that veteran Thunder team. Instead, he takes into account uh, his players' strengths and his weaknesses, and he builds an offense and defense around them. I think that's the biggest issue when college coaches try to go to the NBA. It's not because they're, like, power-hungry. It's because they always try to force their offensive system and their defensive system onto their players that have been playing for a long, long time on that team. Billy Donovan didn't do that. That's why he had success uh, in the NBA with OKC. And now this past season, all the stars are gone. So what did he do? He takes into account what his star, uh, what it, uh, his team's weaknesses and strengths are, and he implements that offense that he ran at Florida, the ball movement, pace and space offense with this Thunder team. And they have so much success. They reach game seven of the NBA uh, first round against the Houston Rockets. And now in Chicago, I expect him to take the same approach, uh, you know, take into consideration what his uh, players' strengths and weaknesses are, build an offense and defense around them, and have success. With that, guys, James Gonzalez, one of our other loyal viewers, wrote in. He says, hi, everyone. To me, it does not matter who the coach is for Chicago. It's on the players to start maturing in his mind. And also, Christy agrees with John. She lives in Montana. Ken and I, uh, I live in Montana, so I can't relate about watching police pursuits on television. They're wild. Man. They're, they're, if you live here, you're going to get at least one pursuit each week. It, it's crazy. It's always Chris, someone trying to get away from the cops out here. It, it's unbelievable. I'm, I'm going to go off topic here, but Christy, be thankful that you live in Montana because you at least you get snow. We here in California, heck, I want to see some snow in the Bay Area, for goodness sake. I do, too. In the L.A. Basin, I really want to see some snow. But then, you know what? We'll get tired of, of having to come outside early in the morning before we go somewhere, having to shovel. You know, that would get old very fast. You know, I know a lot of people on the East Coast, they complain about it. We can't relate to it. Because we don't have to wake up early in the morning to, you know, shuffle snow just to get our cars out of the snow that might might have gotten buried in overnight. We don't have to deal with those type of situations. So we should, Isaiah, count our blessings. If you thought uh, pursuits were wild, that's why this program is called Wild Sports Talk, too. It's about as wild as those. Uh, with that, how about more bizarre injuries, anybody? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, I, th th Everything tonight, our freeways, our show. Just because of the Tyrod Taylor snafu, folks, we're breaking down a list of the 50 most bizarre injuries in pro sports per complex.com. Uh, uh, guys, we'll go to Chris Cof uh, Coughlin, former member of the Marlins and Cubs. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, guys, Chris suffered a torn, men uh, torn meniscus. Back in 2010 with the Marlins, because he tried to give a teammate a shaving cream pie in the face after a walk-off victory. Oh my God! Womp, that one's womp, a little bit. Womp. That one's a little bit more reasonable, though. Uh, how about Russell Branian, former member of the Padres, uh, the Mariners, a lot of other ball clubs in Major League Baseball? 
2010 with the Mariners, Russell bruised his tailbone due to falling down, trying to pick up his son's flip-flop out of the way. <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah lost it on that one. Oh, man. This guy, uh, uh, folks, this injury right here was the one I was referring to earlier in the show right here. Um, uh, former Blue Jay outfielder guys, Glenn Allen Hill is who I was referring to earlier. Back in 1990, Glenn Allen suffered several severe cuts because he had a vivid spider-related nightmare. And I believe he fell through his coffee table because he had a nightmare about spiders being all over him. <laughs> that is nice. Hey. I, I can, you know, I can, uh, I, I feel for the guy because I've had the same thing. I had a dream. I don't even know why, where like I was fighting. Oh, this Callan, you remember this on no BS. This was after I challenged Floyd money Mayweather to a boxing match on no BS. And on Saturday night, I had a dream. Whether I had a dream, I was fighting Floyd Mayweather and somehow, some way I was like punching but I wasn't punching like him in my dream. I was punching him, but in reality, I was punching myself in the face. So I got a couple bruises on my face because of that. Wow. I, I don't think it's as bad as I, I don't think it's as bad as a nightmare I had. Um, I forget what happened, but I tweeted about it at like two 30 in the morning. But something happened where I had a nightmare of some type. I forget what happened. But I remember I literally did one of these and just slapped myself across the face and I woke myself up and I was like, what the, and I could not fall back to sleep. But yeah, that's, I've been there before Isaiah, don't worry. Uh, fellas, how about- I, I, I had a dream. I had a dream that I got a job as a sports columnist with the Houston Chronicle, but it the never Houston came- Chronicle? The Houston Chronicle, but it never came to fruition. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, fo uh, everyone in general, uh, we'll move on on this list. Uh, how about Lionel Simons? Um, uh, Simmons, I should say, former member of the Kings back in the day in 1991 for Sacramento, I should say, not the LA Kings. Um, Lionel suffered thumb tendonitis from playing too much Game Boy. Oh. Fair for the 90s. Yeah, fair. That is, uh, yeah. Uh, Clint yeah. Barmitz, former member of the Rockies in 2005. Poor guy. Uh, Clint broke his collarbone in 2005 after falling downstairs carrying meat. Ooh. I remember hearing about that one, and I that was ooh, that was really bad. Were there some steaks and some ribs? Uh, it, it says um, some type of meat. It was a gift for Todd Helton, per the report here. But uh, sadly, lost his balance and broke his collarbone. Um, Fellas, how about go for it? By the way, yeah. By the way, John, I just wanted to update you. Uh, your Dodgers actually tied the game against the A's in the eighth inning. It was four to four. But then in the top of the ninth, Ramon Laureano, I believe, hit a two-run homer off of Kenley Jansen, and the A's have beaten the Dodgers six to four. That's so, John. So, John. That, that's yeah. what I, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. That's what I'm talking about. They're going to have to find a new closer because Kenley Jensen is no longer reliable. He's not the high-powered pitcher 
that he was in 2017. When is Dave Roberts going to get that through his thick skull and realize that it's time to look for another ninth inning guy? Because Kenley Jensen is not getting it done. He's blowing saves. And that's a scary thought going into the postseason. That's hard. John, my recommendation, Blake Trinan. He has experience closing with the A's back in the day. Yes. He might, he'd be my next guy in line of chance and struggles. Absolutely. Uh, back, back to the list, fellas. How about former A and Padre Milton Bradley? Remember him always getting thrown out of games for arguing balls and strikes? I remember this game very well in 2007 with the Padres. Bradley ripped an ACL because he was being tackled by manager Bud Black for arguing a call at first base with the first base umpire who also was a San Diego native in Mike Winters. I remember watching that game very, very well. I remember that one. Uh, fellas, how about Amari Stoudemire when he was oh, with the Knicks? Oh, the fire hydrant. <laughs> Hand lacerations from punching the glass door of a fire extinguisher. <laughs> hey, look, fire hydrant. I meant to say fire extinguisher. He, he punched the glass. Yeah, he punched the glass. That's and you right. know what? If that does not sum up the New York Knicks, I don't know what else does. He was, I was just going to say that, Kellen. Yes, that definitely sums up the New York Knicks. Knicks uh, being Knicks. Uh, David with Marty Cordova with the tanning bed was number 11 on this list. Uh, how about Jose Canseco, former member of the A's, the Rangers, uh, steroid user? Um, he tore his UCL pitching. He's an outfielder. Come on, man. Yeah. Hey, but but that's not the most ridiculous thing he's ever done, though. What the most ridiculous thing on the field he's ever done was the home run. The home was run bouncing off his head. Ball, yeah, ball bouncing off his head for a home run. They James, always show that. They always show that crazy blooper. James Gonzalez was at that Milton Bradley injury game uh, against the with the Padres. Um, let's see. Uh, we have the Gus. Um, the Gus injury with the uh, Washington football team when he literally headbutted the wall and gave himself a concussion to celebrate a touchdown. Uh, Darren Fletcher of Man U of uh, Manchester United and European soccer fellas. Uh, Darren suffered a head wound and a possible concussion because the toilet stall door fell on his head. Oh, my God. Ow. Yeah, that's got to hurt. Oh. That would not you're, be in the next you're, week. You're definitely feeling that pain for a few days. Here's one of my other favorite ones, fellas, at number seven on this list. Former Cubs pitcher Carlos Zambrano. Right elbow soreness due to excessive use of his computer. I use my computer. I'm going to guess from typing too much maybe, but uh, sore elbow from that. I never suffered a sore a, a, a Sore elbow for crying out loud. I never suffered that. And I've been on my computer all my life, just about. And uh, I James, never once suffered an injury like that. Joel Zamaya is a very hot commodity. Yes, James, he was on this list a bit earlier, but we had brought him up even like two or three times before that. But yes, Joel Zamaya playing guitar here was on the list. Injuries might have come from somewhere else, and they just made these things up. Exactly. People to believe them. Isaiah, what do you got? They were up to no good. They were definitely doing something else that they shouldn't have been. 
I have to make a correction. It wasn't Kenley Jansen. It was Blake Trinan that gave up the two-run oh. homer to Ramon Laureano. Oh, well. I, I, I reverse course then. Have Jansen still be the closer. Oh, Jansen would have Jansen would have gave up more runs. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, with that whole bullpen is in chaos. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's in shambles. The Dodgers bullpen really is in shambles. It's been Damn like that for a long time. And not the best time to be having this stuff happen either. No, not going into the playoffs. I, I just don't feel confident in the Dodgers. I, I really don't. Uh, how about Malcolm Mitchell, fellas? He he clocks in at number six. He played at Georgia in 2013. Tore his ACL doing a chest bump celebration after a touchdown. That just sums up uh, Isaiah's Georgia fanhood right there. That's ridiculous. Plaxico uh, Burris was fifth on the list. Joel Zamaya fourth on the list. Again, that was James asking about him playing too much Guitar Hero. Uh, fellas, the top three. Should not be surprised, guys, that Jason Pierre-Paul is on this list. Oh, yeah, definitely. Severe burns on hands following a 4th of July fireworks incident. Yikes. Doesn't he have a missing finger after that? I missing? believe he did lose a finger on that one. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Sosa's sneeze was number two on the list. Okay. And, of course, guys, number one, we brought him up earlier in the show, but Bill Gramatica, the kicker for the Cardinals, <laughs> tearing his ACL, giving a fist pump and celebrating a made field goal. <laughs> that is the that is the how one you, that is never going you, to be let go ever again in pro sports. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely terrible, fellas. Oh my hey, goodness, Callan! I got to respond to your point about like Georgia fanhood. That if you think the uh, the Malcolm Mitchell thing was what summed it up, I got something even worse. It was last year. When Georgia played Georgia Tech, they already had clinched the spot in the SEC championship game against LSU and Joe Burrow. Georgia was beating the heck out of Georgia Tech. I believe it was 34-3. to And one of the receivers, the top receivers, George Pickens, gets into a fight with the Georgia Tech defender because – I believe like he was trying to get a ball, like go for a ball in the end zone for a touchdown, but the Georgia Tech guy grabbed him and he wasn't called for a penalty. So they started scrapping and he was suspended for the first half of the SEC championship game. Christy says JPP being stupid with fireworks. I think he lost two fingers, not just one. I know he has that giant club on his hand though when he plays. Uh, uh, guys, a couple more popped up though from Bleacher Report, real quick. We will, in fact, sign up, folks, very shortly. We're having too much fun, uh, too much fun though, with some of these bizarre sports injuries. Um, fellas, how about the late, uh, the great Mariano Rivera, closer for the Yankees? Oh, uh, Mariano tied his shoes and threw out his back, tying shoes. I, I thought you were going to talk about that like incident that he had a torn ACL on where he was like shedding actually fly was ranked nineteenth on that previous list I had looked at. Uh, how about Johnny Damon? Injured his back getting getting into a vehicle. Wow. So uh, be careful how you get into your vehicle. Um, Ricky Bones who used to play Major League Baseball, fellas. This might be the most looniest one on this list. Ricky tore muscles in his hand 
while changing channels with his television remote control. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Everybody has gone offset except for me. That's a very rare occurrence on this show, folks. <laughs> Kevin Davis writes in, fellas, you can't make this stuff up in regards to these loony injuries. I definitely agree, Kevin, for sure. And Christy, fellas, Christy, fellas, Christy has one more. She wrote in, former Padre Ryan Klesko strained his back picking up a lunch tray. Oh. Oh, 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 that sounds like a cluster. What the heck? A lot of items on there or what? To straighten your back, really? Picking up a lunch tray? Uh, fellas, one, uh, fellas, one more here. One more here from baseball. Um, Kichi Yabu was injured using a Bowflex machine in the locker room when the strap snapped and sliced open his face. Oh, oh my goodness. That sounds painful. Uh, let's see. Uh, jo uh, Josie Theodore, a former uh, Josie Theodore, a former goalie for the Colorado Avalanche, once broke an ankle when he slipped on a icy driveway. Ow! Callan, I think that, that just man. I think there's one more you have to add to the list. Uh, the one more you have to add to that list is Isaiah, Isaiah Leung straining his back, falling out of his chair during this segment. Did you really say your back? I think I might have put a muscle in my back. <laughs> I'm not even joking with you. Like I fell off my chair. My back is hurting, man. Oh, man. Hey, that's funny. Injuries causing injuries. <laughs> Injury report for the next show. Isaiah Leung, day-to-day, strained back. Um, a couple other ones, fellas, before we, in fact, sign off. Um, Daryl Dawkins, legendary member of the 76ers. Daryl sadly sliced open his hand while washing a broken dinner plate. That just sounds painful. That sounds stupid. Throw the broken dinner plate away. It's broken. Uh, Tony Allen, former member of the Memphis Grizzlies. After the whistle blew and the play was dead, he attempted to he attempted to dunk a ball and tore his ACL. Oh. Ouch. After the play I was over. I remember that play, too. <laughs> and how about former Phoenix Suns great and former mayor of Sacramento, Kevin Johnson? KJ dislocated his shoulder while giving his teammate a hug. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I, I promised myself not to hug Denise for tonight after hearing. I'm just uh, and also, fellas, uh, two more or three more, two more before we're done here and we get to final thoughts. Three more. We'll, we'll do the last one, even though it's NSFW. Uh, John Furick, legendary golfer, injured his neck brushing his teeth. 
Okay. I'm sorry. That's, 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 that's ridiculous. Uh, and finally, we'll, we'll skip the last one. Uh, Lee Trevino, struck by lightning. I think I remember that one. What, what, when was that? Was that like recently? Or? Uh, let me, let me take a look at it real quick for you. In fact, get ready to sign off for final thoughts here. But Lee Trevino on the golf course was hit by lightning. Um, I want to say that was pretty recent. Actually, never mind. It was not actually. Uh, per the reports, he was struck by a lightning back in the 1975 Western Open in Oak in Oakbrook. He was seared, he was seared by lightning near the lake by the 13th hole. Oh, okay, that was way before my time, but it was somebody else. I, I, um, so further, Lee was knocked out and hospitalized for two days and one day in the ICU and recovered and uh, is still alive to this day. So good to hear about that. And uh, uh, James wrote in one more. He did say, though, uh, yeah, Barkley getting uh, uh, lotion and lotion in his eye at the Eric Clapton concert might be the all-time greatest one that's on there. But with that, though, folks, we've had too much fun with all the uh, loony injuries and in sports. With that, here comes tonight's final thoughts. Oh, okay, enough of the bizarre injuries, folks. We thank you guys for writing in some of your favorites, though. Uh, John, I know we kind of went off the rails tonight, but honestly, though, man, great show. But again, um, again, folks, I, I want to kind of clarify, we're not poking fun at the Tyrod Taylor injury. It just happens to be one of those very freak, bizarre uh, situations that kind of uh, came about. Uh, so we're, we are in no way, shape, form, or size making fun of that incident. But it just, in a way, kind of got us thinking, though, about some of the other very weird injuries that have, in fact, happened in pro sports. Uh, but with that, though, John, uh, final thoughts for tonight's show are, in fact, what? Yeah, uh, we never wish injury on anybody, but I mean, some of those were painfully hilarious because when you hear some of those things, they could have actually been prevented. You know, um, have these guys taken things more seriously, uh, you know, taking more precautionary actions and been very careful. But tonight was a wonderful show. I want to thank all our viewers. I want to thank our regulars. I forget names really quick. I'm sorry, but you guys know who you are. And I'm thanking you guys for taking the time out of your night to stop by and hear what we got to say. Um, we're here to entertain you guys. We're here to talk sports. And we really appreciate you guys a lot. It means the world to us. Um, the show has grown. It, it continues to get better. And much love to my guys, Colin, who is a wonderful moderator. He's very, very talented, extremely talented. We love you, dude. And we love you too, Isaiah, who also brings the fire and the intensity to this show. Without him, this show does not get off the ground. So thanks to Isaiah and thanks to Colin. Love you guys. Let's continue to grind hard at this. And see what comes out of it right back at you john as usual man uh, again folks uh, that is uh pastor john mathis we have given him that nickname because uh, john spoke the gospel a couple of shows ago about the cleveland browns and uh i, I will kind of uh, clean up on john's aisle uh, that's christy wilson james gonzalez is our main two regulars again always tuning in uh, i am going to shout out david's thoughts as well fellas david is a very loyal viewer of all my morning programs on the quarantine network and david's always asking questions and stuff like that 
Uh, did want to shout out Kevin Davis, uh, I believe, watching on the MI6 page. Kevin, thank you for watching tonight and for being one of our uh, new time or uh, new viewers tonight and for at least writing in that, yeah, you guys, that we cannot make this stuff up about these injuries that have, in fact, come up, though, just with these very freaky circumstances. Uh, but, Isaiah, how about your final thoughts for tonight's show? Yeah, my final thoughts is uh, I want to, you know, echo what John said. That is, thank you to all the viewers for viewing the show. I think tonight's episode probably is one of my favorite episodes uh, doing this show. We had we had a blast doing it. I mean, we had so much fun laughing at all the uh, the painful, uh, you know, the ridiculous, bizarre injuries. Of course, we don't um, we don't, you know. We're not trying to laugh at injuries, but those were just like really hilarious. Uh, and also they were in the past, but um, you know, it was a great show. Thank you to all the viewers for watching it. Um, uh, it, it was like so much fun. I hope that, you know, I can make it to Monday's episode. I'm officially listed on the MI6 uh, injury report as day to day, you know, like throwing my back out while laughing hard and falling off my chair like unbelievable right but great show uh, make sure you guys tune in tomorrow because i will be joining my guys stephen wang and ryan schreiner as well as we're gonna have matthew sotis one of stephen wang's uh friends from minnesota he's gonna be joining us and we're just gonna be talking about the mlb uh the playoff picture as well as uh nick mullins as he gets ready for his first start against the New York Giants. And also, one last thing is uh, make sure you guys also tune in to Friday for No BS with me, Trevor, and Callan, as well as Furman. As of right now, Isaiah, I'm not going to be there Friday due to uh, dinner plans that were scheduled, but we'll see how, uh, how in fact, things go. But again, folks, as mentioned, Isaiah, Stephen, and Ryan uh, doing some good work on fan response tomorrow at, uh, uh, at uh, 5 o'clock Pacific time and also... Again, no BS. we back on air with you folks on Friday. And all folks will bring back the night shift on Saturday. And Sonny had to take yesterday off to kind of uh, work on a story I've been writing about the Padres uh, over the past several uh, days about the Padres in their 2020 season. Uh, one more from James, and it's uh, painfully about uh, former Padres shortstop Khalil Green. Two odd injuries, broke his hand punching a and holding in a sneeze and pulling a muscle might have been in 2008 before he was on his way out of Major League Baseball. I can confirm the uh, punching a wall. I also can confirm him punching a water cooler in 2004 that uh, broke a finger as well, which uh, cost him to be a pinch winner for the remainder of the Major League Baseball season. But my final thoughts, folks, as usual, thanks to James and Christy and all of the uh, loyal viewers. Also great to have a uh, couple newbies and David Stotts, Ben Wagner, and also Mr. Kevin Davis. And also as well today, uh, having one of our fellow network hosts and Big Baby John join us as well for a brief time as well. But again, folks, uh, tomorrow on Thursday, fan response back on air, 5 p.m. Pacific time with Steve, uh, Stephen, Ryan, Ryan, and Isaiah. And of course, folks, no BS on Friday with Trevor, Isaiah, myself, and Furman Lee, and also Saturday and Sunday, the night shift returns as well. Um, at the uh, um, as well. Oh. Uh, also, Christy also wanted to give her final thoughts on show the night. Uh, also, real quick, guys, uh, John, to you, who you have winning Thursday night football tomorrow, Jacksonville or Miami? I'm gonna go with Jacksonville only because I love their quarterback. Man, that guy plays with a lot of swagger. So, uh, 
Isaiah, we have John rolling with Minshew Mania in Jacksonville against the Dolphins. Who, uh, who you got? I'm going to go with the Jaguars as well. I think the Jaguars have really shocked everybody. Minshew is playing with a lot of swag. It's so much fun to watch him play. I think, forget Trevor Lawrence, I think uh, Minshew is the quarterback of the future for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But one last thing I needed to add is make sure you guys tune into one of our shows next week. I don't know which show it will be, but I will be doing one of our shows from Palm Springs next week. So make sure you tune in. Nice. That'll be fun to see for sure and everything else going on. Uh, I'm going to go with Jacksonville too because what you going to do, brother, when Minshew Mania runs wild over you, right? Yeah, that's what we're going to go with here with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But again, folks, thanks to all of our viewers uh, for tuning in tonight, for supporting us. And again, folks, we invite your input, of course, across the board. And again, uh, tune in tomorrow to catch Ryan and Ryan, Isaiah and Steven on Fan Response 5 p.m. tomorrow. And then we'll also, folks, be back uh, be back on air on No BS on Friday. And, of course, the night shift is back in action on Saturday and Sunday, 10 p.m. Pacific time, to recap all the big stories and big games and big plays of the day. With that, folks, for John Mathis, Isaiah Leung, for the entire cast and crew on the 6th, this is Cal McClurg saying goodnight from San Diego. Have a good rest of your night. Take care, folks. Stay safe and stay healthy. So long. We'll see you folks back here on Fan Response on Thursday. No BS on Friday and the night shift on Saturday and Sunday. Till next time, folks. Have a good one. Bye-bye.